the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That is the king, the king. The recruiting king, Barton Simmons. Uh, he is in Fort Lauderdale. He has just finished uh, a load of content uh, on CBSSports.com, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports HQ. Uh, and now, of course, we get a chance to uh, to wrap up what has been uh, a – I would say that right now, king stay the king is kind of my, my running theory or my running catchphrase to describe our early signing period so far on Wednesday – you you were right in the midst of it all. We've got a, uh, a couple headlines to get to, a couple teams I want to ask you about, but can we check in on Barton? How is Barton doing right now? You, I didn't fall asleep last night until after 4.30. Why? The, because I couldn't turn my mind off. Oh, no. Those deals. And it was one of those deals where you couldn't, like I couldn't turn my phone on silent because you never know what like info is going to come your way. And so starting it, I started to go to bed about 10, which was an early time for me on a day night like that. And so every time I started to fall asleep, my, my, my phone would ping. And then by about midnight or so, I was sort of back awake after talking about some, some goings on. And then it was four 30 in the morning. So that's, you know, so yeah, feel sorry for me, whatever. But we're here. We made it. I'm at the end of the day, uh, and uh, maybe I'm even gonna grab, grab a beer here in a little bit. Hey, you you definitely deserve it, and uh, and and you delivered some excellent content on the uh, on the full signing day show. It went from nine to one, but then we had some more VODs, and I know that you were on the one o'clock show uh, as well, and probably even the four o'clock show. Take it to CBS Sports HQ, CBSSportsHQ.com. Yeah, t- time. I don't know. I don't know time anymore. I'm just going to talk. <laughs> it's, talk a, it's like mindless talking now for the it, last seven hours. It's okay. I, uh, I, I was a little bit fuzzy brained in our last podcast. I had come straight from the dentist, not because of the gas, but just because you lay down for like an hour. So, uh, yeah. I need to apologize to the big, the entire big 10 who has won four out of the last 10 Outback Bowls. I was incorrect in joking that we haven't tasted coconut shrimp. And then, uh, also that, game between Clemson and Notre Dame is not in week two. I believe it's actually in November. So we'll get all, we'll get started with our errors and omissions. So you've got plenty of wiggle room, uh, as things go here today. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was, uh, where should we go here? You know, just, um, I guess storyline of the day. No. Nah. Well, like, do you think that there is, uh, one, like resounding storyline because I've got probably a lot of B storylines that I'm really interested in uh, picking your brain on. But 
Is is it Clemson? Is it Alabama's charge? I said Kings stay the Kings because we finished the day. We're looking at Alabama's getting up to number two. Georgia got some of those uh, some of those commitments that they were looking to get to be able to move up into the top five uh, to number four. You know, a few flips, but it seemed like there was the the big one was uh, was was with South Carolina getting Birch. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that. Uh, the day was – I mean, this is a day we don't talk about the the best classes. We talk about who had the best day. So uh, LSU, for example, had – they didn't have a great day. They had an okay day. They got two pretty good players. They got uh, Philip Webb and uh, Marcus Dumerville, two top 100 guys. Not hey, pretty, pretty exciting, huh? But then they also had two top 50 wide receivers flip to one to Maryland, one to Georgia – um, they had a defensive back flip to Clemson. Uh, they missed on Jordan Birch. They, I mean, so it just wasn't a great day for LSU, but it's still a top five class right, right. now. And, and, you know, who knows, maybe more, more, more room to, to move up. So a great day for LSU. I thought the stories of, uh, South Carolina, even though this kid, Jordan Birch, who's the number five player in the country, a defensive end, even though he was in South Carolina's backyard, at uh, at Hammond School in, in Columbia, South Carolina. On the team with Will Muschamp's kid. On the team with Will Muschamp's kid. So literally, like, and, and they're good friends. So literally, like, after practice, when they're going back, checking the fridge for Sunny Delights. Uh, Yay! The, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who got the Sunny, man? You got the Sunny? So they, they are hanging out at Will Muschamp's house. So he's had a lot of time to work on this kid. The kid's been to the program a bunch but you're beating your in-state national champion rival, Clemson. You are beating Georgia, who got him on campus last. You're beating LSU, who's recruiting as well as anyone in the country. You're beating Alabama. So let's give credit to South Carolina for getting that W there. There's and- there, there's definitely a Will Muschamp, and especially Will Muschamp kind of sitting on like some real job pressure, some real job pressure, you know, having to make some staff changes, fit, trying to fix the offense. Uh, you know, his, his president and his athletic director, and we, we talked about it a little bit here on the podcast, not exactly all on the same page in terms of what the future looks like. And then Muschamp goes to get a win like that. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big, that's something big that you can sell both as a, as a coach and also as an athletic department. No doubt. And in the same vein, Mike Locks, who was hired at Maryland to build a wall around the DMV, and there ain't no wall around the DMV. Like, it's just not there right now. They've, I think they've got, heading into the day, I think they had one of the top 20 players in Maryland committed. I don't think they had any of the top 10 committed in D.C. Um, so it, the promise hadn't been fulfilled yet, and then today rolls around, and Maryland and Mike Loxley steal Raheem Jarrett from a team that is throwing the ball in a, in a way that would seem like it's a wide receiver's dream. And now he's going to go perhaps be the Stefan Diggs of Maryland for Mike Loxley. Uh, I think that is good on you, Mike Loxley for getting that big win as well. Um, That was, I think a a big storyline just that they were able to make that happen. Okay, so you and I are both uh, a little bit more positively charged, right? We we like to look at the the hopes. You know, we we talked about that with the coaches. We we're trying not to 
to bag on the coaches. So I've got a couple that are grouped together in terms of sort of positive momentum. And uh, it starts with Florida State, which uh, has now, after two cycles of no quarterbacks, now we've got two quarterbacks. And, uh, and, and most importantly, I think that you've got the, the one that you wanted right there. A few other places where it looked like Florida State was feeling pretty good. It seems like the Florida State fan base is feeling good. I'm seeing uh, some, some flowers, some kudos and congratulations, not only to uh, Dillingham, Fuller, and Norvell, but also to a lot of the members of the, the staff. And I don't, I don't know if all of them are going to be held on, and I'm assuming most aren't. I know we know so far, obviously, Odell and then Dugan's are going to be sticking around on Norvell's staff, but in terms of a transition and trying to, to figure out a way to keep together as much as possible, when we saw some decommitments after Taggart being gone, am I, am I misguided to follow some, some thirsty Florida State fans and feeling like this was a positive day for Florida State? No, I think it was. I, I, I wrote a winners and losers piece for CBS Sports, and I didn't have Florida State on my winners but they were like, I only had five winners. I think I had maybe four or five losers. And they were, they were like, I actually replaced them with someone else. So they were sort of the runner up uh, to, to a winner for my piece because, and they, they, they were perfect. They, they didn't hit on everybody. But, uh, and, you know, they lose a guy like Keyshawn Green, who's this elite, speedy running back, or not running back, linebacker who signed with uh, Nebraska and committed a couple of days ago. And, I mean, they're, they're, Morvin Joseph was another guy that Tennessee was able to land. I mean, like it wasn't a perfect day, but they got two quarterbacks after going two cycles, getting none. And I think both quarterbacks are really good. Chubba Purdy, I mean, all you got to say is he's a more, you know, he's younger brother of Brock, and he's probably a better athlete. Uh, and then the other kid, Tate Rodemaker, is was the first dude that Mike Novell offered in this cycle, apparently. Uh, and I've, I've actually had my eye on him as feeling like he was a real steal for USF for a while uh, as a kid that just balls out in South Georgia, uh, who's pretty athletic too. So I, I really think Florida State, I mean, they may have their starter for next year on in this class. Uh, that wouldn't shock me. So I think that was important. Uh, but yeah, I, I think reason to be encouraged by this Florida State uh, signing class. All right, I've got three of them here, and then I, then I'll let you take the wheel back. Number two, uh, Oregon. Goodness gracious, best. But, and I guess that we could go ahead and address USC within this because there's a couple ways to look at USC. But first, with Oregon, the you know you all of a sudden are continuing to beef up. Like you're adding linebackers when you already had a really solid defensive front and the the sort of physicality that Mario Cristobal is trying to make as not just something that you talk about because every football team wants to be physical, but I think it really is like strong commitments in the recruiting and the development and the way you play and the way you carry yourself. If, if you bought into the better parts of Oregon, which were not related to Justin Herbert or the offense, you know, it really was the, the Ducks defense, which challenged Utah in the Pac-12. Today felt like a day where that side of the ball got even better and where just the, the future for Oregon in terms of it being able to not just be the best team in the Pac-12, but even continue to close the gap on that top handful of teams in the country feels like a day where, shout out to the coaching cliche, uh, they got better. Yeah, I tweeted this, uh, and I really do believe this, and I think this helps because, I mean, if you aren't, if 
if you as a listener aren't watching these guys on film or haven't seen them in person, like all, all you really have to go on is just, hey, me saying this guy's good, that guy's good, whatever. But I really believe this comparison to be pretty apt. I think with Justin Flo signing with Oregon, that that program right now just got Justin Flo, well, let me put it this way, just got Reuben Foster and Devin White in the same class. Like that, think about that. Devin White next to Reuben Foster in one linebacking core. And then think about Kayvon Thibodeau uh, in, in front of them on the defensive line. And so I think that's where Oregon continues to – like these guys aren't just big physical linebackers. They are that. But I think that what these guys both bring is the ability to dictate – and change the entire attitude of a football game, of a field, of a team, of a, a of an atmosphere. Like it's just like you're not just tough, but you're smart, and you're making the right plays, and you are uh, totally understanding what plays need to be made at the right time and the flow of a game to take over. Well, that, but also like I just think these are the type of guys that that give everyone around them confidence. Like I'm, I you know when you're walking into a fight. And you got the biggest, baddest dude on your side. You're puffing your chest out a little more. Yeah, I used to, you know, in college we had a we, we would get in whatever, like you know, we talk, we chirp, and and do this, you know, the the townies at Quinnipiac or whatever would would you know we we'd get in some fisticuffs here and there. But we always had we always had my uh, a buddy who played in the NFL for a while who was a tight end. He was like six six two sixty. Whenever that guy rolled up, like everyone else started sort of being a little less less confident in what they were saying to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are the guys that are going to make everybody else be like, eh, I don't know if I want to fill that hole or eh, that's, I'm not sure how into his block I am. Like, I, I just think that's the sort of demeanor that they bring to the field. Um, And my third team that I'm getting positivity about, the the absolute Homer special – I thought it was a good day for Mac Brown. Well, it was a good day for I mean it was a good class for Mac Brown. I'm trying to think, did they get did they land commits today? They kept uh the quarterback off with uh, Arkansas and Auburn coming to chirp. Yeah, so that yeah, I mean it was a yeah, like I said, I think it was a good class for Mac Brown. I don't I don't know that they landed anyone new today. They might have that I'm I'm not thinking of, but um that was one that, you know, heading into the day, it, it appeared that they had sort of weathered the Arkansas storm of keeping Jacoby Criswell uh, pack and, and, and keeping him in the fold uh, because he was a he was a kid that probably would have ended up at Arkansas had Arkansas offered him earlier, had Chad Morris wanted him and and, and gone with him instead of his his son Chandler Morris. Obviously, when when he left, Chandler Morris left. Arkansas needs a quarterback. Makes sense, but the relationship that UNC had built was strong enough to keep him in the fold, and so that that certainly was uh, was a win. Nice. Coming up on the other side, more of the biggest storylines from National Signing Day next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so those are uh, my so some of my teams that as I was doing my exam, you know, we talked about Kramen for National Signing Day is my experience. Those are some of my the the general sort of upward trajectory circling and I was like man that's this this is so far going pretty well for for those teams what were some of the more so, some of the twists and turns that you were tracking and following throughout the day um well I think I, I know you want to be positive Chip I'm I'm with you but we got to talk about USC and we didn't really touch on how Justin Flo going to Oregon was a, a bit of a referendum on USC and I'm not, uh, it might not be a referendum on USC, but it's going to be treated as a referendum on USC. And I, USC is, as we're sitting here today, this, this evening on national signing day, they entered the day 84th, 83rd in the 24 seven sports team rankings. I think they're finishing the day like 75th. They landed one guy. They got 11 commits right now. They they need to get 18 or 19 this cycle. Um, it's it's just this is good. I don't want to say it's like time to panic, but it is. If I I don't I mean they're, good, they're probably going to get a kid named Gary Bryant at the All American Games. Um, so they're going to climb a little bit, but uh, there's no reason for optimism right now that this is going to be a good class. And last year's class wasn't really up to USC standards. So now. We got a. We're on a little bit of a run here where USC just is not going to have the same talent that they used to have. So they better have a plan in place. Um, otherwise, um, you know, I thought. Wait, before we move on from USC, Clay Helton's argument and the the company line is that they were targeting positions rather than uh, like they they were going for the big dudes, right? Wasn't that like his his explanation is that. They were more concerned about trying to get linemen and making those positions a priority. They probably missed out on some opportunities to uh, maybe just go and chase a a big old class or or going to get more commitments. And that that is what he's trying to sell as the work that has been done for USC. And you're right. Like there's, this is a day where the, you learns who had the best day and I'm glad you called attention to that because you know there's a lot of work left for Clay Hilton and USC to go from here do you believe him when he tries to tout the the successes of their efforts at least in the terms of trying to bulk up on uh bulk up their depth on the lines well I that is true I mean they have 11 commits and six of them are offensive linemen and three of them are defensive linemen so nine of their commits Nine of the eleven are line of scrimmage guys. That said, I I am not of the belief that collectively 
those nine guys are of the quality that we're used to seeing at USC. Now, if there's ever a position where I could be wrong with, it could be it's offensive line because there's it's, that's such a developmental position, and that there's there's every reason to be optimistic and and can't you know don't 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 count them out. But based on what I've seen, like the, these still aren't the typical guys USC would would be recruiting. I don't think anyone was banging on USC's door to flip these guys. Mm. Not, not that I mean, not I'm not saying all of them. Um, you know, Jonah Monheim is is a kid that is is probably their best offensive line commit, and I think he's a really good player, um, and and probably a guy that some some major schools wanted. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I'm not dogging the group. I'm just saying USC has a certain standard that we're used to seeing. And usually that, that means a bunch of guys that don't take a whole lot of expertise and know how good they are. And I, that's, that's not what I see with this group. Mm. All right. So who else got your attention? Um, Nebraska. Yeah. I saw, I saw some uh, kids from all over the place putting on Nebraska gear. Well, what's the, th- I mean, the thing with Nebraska, right. Is that it's all about talent acquisition there. Uh, is can you can you get the right players into to Lincoln? And I thought Nebraska, well, they got Jaden Francois, who's a DB out of South Florida that is awesome. Oh man, there was some awesome drama. I thought we were gonna have an Alex Collins situation. Yeah, I, I kind of just caught wind of that because I was doing a lot of talking, um, and I uh, he he like almost didn't send his LOI in or something. Was that what was going on? No, I don't think. I think the the drama was at the school press conference. He comes, he sits down. Then when it's supposed to start, they don't start. He goes outside. He's talking on the phone. He comes back in, sits down. They're about to start. Then he leaves again to talk on the phone outside and they clear all his stuff. Like they take the LOI away. They take his nameplate away. And everyone's Uh, like, wow, I guess he's not going to announce after all. And then he comes back. They set up his stuff and he reveals the Nebraska shirt underneath. That's yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I was sort of like, I sort of caught the commotion going on, but I wasn't sure exactly what it all was, but it was yeah. mostly the press conference. I don't, I don't right. remember seeing any hiccups with the actual signed uh, paper come in. Yeah. So, but he's really good. They got another kid named Marcus Fleming who's out of Miami Northwestern at the slot receiver. He's really good. I mentioned the kid Keyshawn green who runs a four, four, nine at linebacker. He was a Florida state commit. He's really good. Like if you're getting a bunch of athletic kids from Florida, pretty good, pretty good start <laughs> for it's like Nebraska. Um, so, so I thought Nebraska did a really good job. I thought Tennessee did a really good job that, you know, Tennessee in terms of realistic targets, I think Tennessee went five for five on the day. Wow. Um, so that's, that's the kind of the way you want to close. Uh, and, and that's, and that's exciting. I mean, that's a couple signing days in a row that Tennessee's kind of hit it out of the park and, and they're hoping they get one more in Darnell Washington, who's a, or at least one more, they may have more out there, but. Darnell Washington is the five-star tight end that they they're in the mix for. Could be their their big splash win um, this cycle. So I, I think Tennessee is is absolutely one that um, that won the day, so to speak. Kind of a top fifteen ish class, but uh, did it did every got every got got all the juice it could out of this day. 
did the S- it felt like the SEC East is getting better, and I can't tell if that includes maybe today was also bad for Florida because I feel like I wasn't seeing a lot of Florida coming up on the winning end of ones that they were in the mix for. Yeah, no, you're yeah, you, you that's a good good eye. Um, Florida, Florida had the in as in as in the approaching days to signing day, Florida was a. Uh, a popular pick as a school that was going to have a huge day. Ooh, hit bad. That's bad when it doesn't happen. <laughs> Don't like that. Because um, they still have a top 10 class, right? But it just feels so different. Right. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. And that's what this day is all about. It's like, I mean, the people get over that pretty quick, but it's still, I mean, today is about today. Less so than it's about the class. And, uh, and today there wasn't, there wasn't anything to celebrate. It was, it was, uh, our Florida site swap two, four, seven, um, you know, Blake Alderman did a great story, or, you know, did a kind of a preview story, um, with all of the, the players that they're in the mix for. And we were, you know, I was read it this morning and, and kind of chuckled. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see team site guys and, um, they're optimistic because they're kind of getting the, the team side of things. And, um, I think Blake only made one prediction for Florida to land it like one guy. And obviously the, you know, people were a little bit uh, disappointed in seeing that, but Hey, still, still uh, optimistic. And um, they didn't get anybody. They, they just didn't get anybody. And uh, so sort of just a disappointing way to finish after having a pretty good class. Um, especially when, I think the hope was going into the day that Dan Mullen shows that he can do some Kirby smart stuff at the finish line. Mm. And, and they, and they, they almost did. They almost got Timothy Smith, who was a, a absolute beast defensive tackle out of the state of Florida. That's going to Alabama. Uh, but Alabama hang on, held, held on to him. They almost got Donnell Harris, who is a really athletic, long Brian Burns ish edge rusher out of the state of Florida. Uh, who was committed to Texas A&M and thought there was a chance he could flip him. He didn't flip. Uh, and so those are two of the big ones. There, there was, there were several others that uh, just didn't come to fruition. So, Hey, uh, best case scenarios didn't play out there. Kind of the worst case scenario played out in terms of the day, but still, I, I still think the, from the broader picture, uh, Florida had a strong, late signing period or not signing period, but sort of uh, kind of home stretch to the 2020 recruiting cycle and still is a, is a really good top 10 class. All right. So speaking of closers, are we, did Texas A&M fall or did they just get passed because they weren't able to get uh, maybe that extra one or two guy that they were in the mix for? Yeah, they just got passed. I mean, Georgia is, Georgia's the one that passed them and I've long sort of been, talking about this uh, I've framed this recruiting cycle towards the end as really a five team race of the teams that are recruiting at the the really top tier level uh, and I've included Georgia in that five despite being ranked six just because there is an expectation of a lot of upward mobility and and Georgia cashed in on some of that today so quality day by Georgia am just sort of I just think they kind of got the guys they're supposed to get. No, no big surprises. Um, nothing's coming to mind with them. I think it was just sort of a, a no news is good news kind of day. But 
as expected, they they got passed. And Georgia now is I mean, Georgia had a good day. Georgia now is in a position to if if things fall perfectly for during the All American games, I mean Georgia could get as many as like three five stars, um, which obviously would go a long way to uh, to up in their ranking. Uh, it was a, there was a lot of chatter about the Utes today. What did you see from uh, from Utah that 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 sort of generated a little bit of a uh, positive momentum upward trajectory as uh, as they continue to not just be able to be a, a team that's gonna have great development and solid play and execution to be able to beat you, but I think we got to consider Utah one of the heavyweights in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, and it's funny. Utah was ranked uh, – well, I mean, frankly, they were ranked like outside the top 100 early in the year. I mean, I, I remember sort of doing an audit and going through the Pac-12 commit list and watching a bunch of film on guys, and uh, Utah was – they had like six commits, and none of them were guys I was all that jazzed up about. And then – and that's – and they hadn't sort of pushed their – put their foot on the pedal here until until very recently – and then as, as today started getting closer, they, they really started to get their ducks in a row. And, uh, you know, they've got 11 commits, just like USC has 11 commits. They went into the day one spot below USC in the, the national rankings. I think they were like 85th. USC was 84th, something like that. And, and now Utah's up to, to 50th. And so that's the sort of jump with only 11 commits. So, uh, and got some big time kids. I mean, Van Fillinger is a kid who was once committed to Texas, who I think is just a beast. And by the way, awesome look. He's got like a mullet with sort of like a racing stripe kind of deal. And he probably drives a Camaro and, and probably wears like cut off football jerseys around town. Just awesome vibe to him. Uh, he's going to be a stud there. And they actually, they, they might not be done. Uh, they, they landed several good players today, but Clark Phillips would be the cherry on top. He was a a cornerback committed to Ohio State out of California who is deciding on Thursday. So we're sitting here Wednesday evening. Uh, depending on when you listen to this, he, he may have already decided. But there's a lot of uh, – there's a realistic possibility. In fact, maybe even a, a likely possibility that he flips to Utah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the other Pac-12 team that jumped out. So Stanford had some troubling headlines during the early part of the month for a lot of players that were putting their name in the transfer portal. And then we get uh, a really strong Stanford recruiting class here that is headlined by EJ Smith, Emmett Smith's son, choosing Stanford over Florida. And it Am I wrong to believe that maybe with this class we're going to get to see a little bit of a rejuvenation of the the David Shaw program? Like maybe it's just going to be a little bit of a a little bit of a personnel reboot, and it's just going to we're, we're starting over with the class of 2020. I think this is a good class. I, I really think this is a good class. Um, I mean, Miles Hinton, Six six offensive tackle whose dad was a first round pick. His mom played bad college basketball. Like he's a stud. John Humphrey is one of the most productive wide receivers in the country. Um, committed. I think Ben Urasek, one of the best tight ends in America, hands down. Um, Casey Filkins, they're comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. He was like the player of the year in the state of Oregon. Um, 
really talented player. They got Emmett Smith's son today. And then Alakai Gilman, I don't know if I'm saying his first name right, but that's Alohi Gilman's younger brother, the Notre Dame safety. Yeah. And he's he's a little undersized. He's not quite the size of Alohi. He's 5'10-ish, but his film is fantastic. He's super instinctive. And so they got – it's just a really quality class top to bottom. Um, and I, I think – you know, I, I think what they're doing right now from a – yeah, you I mean, you're right. Like, it's still Stanford. Bama's still Bama. Stanford's still Stanford. I mean, people like, – that's not a joke. Like, Stanford is still Stanford when it comes to high academic pe- kids. And they can still get really good players. Uh, and so it's uh, – you know, that's been sort of the um, – the way it's gone, this cycle, they 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 they're still recruiting well. David Shaw's still there. Uh, when those kids get on campus, they're still impressed. Yeah, because I I had some uh low level alarm bells. No, nothing well sourced. But when you start to see after a very disappointing season for Stan- by Stanford standards, uh, Stanford standards, uh, by Stanford standards, and then you've got the the reports of a lot of Stanford action in the transfer portal, you know. David Shaw's been there a minute and I'm kind of looking around like, all right, so is this going to be anything concerning? And then, you know, the, as, as I look at the recruiting class and sort of get my arms around where they're at, I'm like, all right, well, maybe, maybe this is all, maybe my concerns were misguided. Yeah. I was talking, Brady Quinn was on the set with us, with me today. And, uh, I sort of referenced all the transfers too. And I hadn't, I'll be honest. I hadn't really dug on who the guys are that are transferring. I've just seen the big numbers pop up and, um, Brady, Brady was sort of dismissive of it. He talked to some folks at Stanford and I, it doesn't appear to be some sort of exodus. Um, well, that's and, good. That's I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we can put that to rest then. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're putting it to rest, but, uh, Hey, at least Brady was, was, was more optimistic than maybe you and I were at first glance. All right, Barton, are you ready for your beer? Well, I got another, I got about another hour and a half, uh, two hours of, of interviews. And <laughs> And then I'm going to hit my beer. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Is there...